0: Hello, and welcome to episode 117 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to talk about the best format.
1: Legacy. (laughs) Legacy. Uh, This episode's
0: a little weird. Um, You'll have to
1: apologize. They did spoiler season kind of strange this year. And spoiler season ended a week before it normally does. So we did our set review episode. And now we were not going to talk about new stuff for a week before we talk about new stuff next week.
0: Yeah, like they did regular set. Then they did the commander product last yeah. week. And I think that at least like mastery progression on Arena ends this Thursday. So I don't know if the set comes out Thursday. It does. Yeah. Okay. On Arena. Yep. So yeah, so we'll have some things to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to play a lot of historic. So I'll have some historic thoughts for you.
1: Yep, I should also have some box opening videos. I hope.
0: So, if you'd like to tweet at us, what you want to see us talk about with the new set, or just what your thoughts are, you can get us at Casual Tripod on Twitter.
1: Yep, you can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Hard MTG, or you can drop us an email show at casualtriheartmtg dot com. Don't forget, if you guys are looking to pick up any of the stuff from Strixhaven or the Mystical Archives or some of the stuff from Kaldheim that's super cheap right now, or some cool old border stuff from Time Spiral, make sure you're using our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, all you have to do is navigate to TCG Player using that link. And anything you purchase after that will get a small sliver of help keep the show going if you want to support us more directly you can do so at patreon.com slash casual patrons get early access to show notes they get access to our pre-show ramblings uh, which are kind of a little little bit of everything hodgepodge of whatever's going on in our day-to-day i just finished making up the patron give back i've got them all laid out on my desk in front of me here so they should be going out this week sometime so sign up for our patron patreon.com casual i mentioned just a minute ago that i should have some box opening stuff coming up soon for Strixhaven. you can find that on our youtube channel uh casual mtg on youtube make sure if you're headed over there to look at some stuff subscribe give us thumbs up all that kind of stuff it helps helps grow the channel also i imagine you're going to put First impressions of some stuff up for Strixhaven.
2: Yeah,
0: like I said, I'll probably do a couple videos. I'll either do yeah. a couple drafts or I'll do a couple uh, um, historic uh, gameplays. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a updated brainstorm included version of uh, Neoform that is all built except for the brainstorms. Oh, nice! So just need to throw in some brainstorms, and we have a deck. There you go.
1: We also have a Discord channel. Uh, should be a link in the description. There's also a link all over all, all our social media. So if you're looking to get into our Discord, you can check that out there. We got anything else for the intro or are we ready to get onto the meat
0: of this? I think we're ready to get onto the meat of this.
1: All right. So I guess it was a couple weeks ago at this point. We are having a discussion in Discord and talking about some reserve list stuff. And Sabotage wanted to hear us converse about the reserve list, spikes, buyouts, and legacy. In particular, that they're feeling priced out of the format and that they won't ever get to experience it.
0: I mean, I have a bunch of legacy cards and I feel priced out of the format. So I I understand (laughs) your pain. I understand your pain. Is what's happening with the prices something you wouldn't expect for any kind of collectible? Uh, No. Well, see, magic is weird because it's not just a collectible. Like
1: a lot of things that fall into the collectible category don't have like some other type of value tied to them. Like if you're talking about, you know, number one Spider-Man or something, right? Comic books. Sure. You might want to like read the pages, but they're on the internet. So it's not like you can't get, the information somewhere else, right? Yeah. The only thing that's valuable of number one, Spider-Man is the fact that it is number one, Spider-Man. That's not the same with magic where if you have a Guy's cradle, you don't have access to that card outside of having a guy's cradle. So if you want to play the cradle, you need to have the cradle. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what differentiates magic as a collectible from some other collectible stuff.
0: Yeah, basically the Uh, fact that they are game pieces and not having them precludes you from playing certain versions of the game. Even so, like a lot of the value in these cards aren't tied to their playability, right? They're tied to scarcity.
1: Um, I mean, yes and no. It certainly used to be that way. Like when we first started hearing about the like quote unquote reserved list spikes, they were played cards cards that saw a tournament play yes um over time it's kind of progressed to the point that things that you know don't see any play are starting to get hit with you know buyouts and spikes also but i don't think you can completely sever the the tie between you know being played and value like a tabernacle is always going to be worth more than a didgeridoo yeah even though they're both on the reserve list
0: yeah, but I think that this goes to something I'm going to say later. If you were to ban Tabernacle, mm-hmm. how much does Tabernacle's price fall? Probably I think none. V- very little. Yeah. So I don't know how much of the value of that card is actually tied to the fact that it's played as a one-of in one legacy deck. Yeah. And maybe it ha- sees some commander play. I have no idea. Right. But for the most part, it's a one of in one now like fringe legacy deck. Yeah. And that's not enough to like hold its value at twenty five hundred dollars. If you were to say tomorrow, no one can play Tabernacle anymore. I think more people would play lands Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't feel like they were playing the incomplete version of lands. It's true. And the price of Tabernacle would be. $2,500 $2,500 or oh no, yeah. $2,475. Yeah. So, like,
1: realistically, I, it wouldn't change.
0: Yeah. So, I think that, like, you know, yes, the cards that are like stone unplayable that have started to like go up in price because, you know, people are buying them out. Yes, they're always going to be lower than the cards that are like better and just like some of it's like being more iconic. Yeah and being more, right, more rare. Because, like, we've, like, got into the, like, you know, people buying out, like, Visions cards. And there's just (laughs) way... That are not rare. Yeah, there are way more copies of Visions cards than there are copies of uh, Tabernacles or cards from Legends or Alpha Beta Unlimited. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I heard actually kind of recently... Uh, like within the last couple weeks that some more concrete numbers of like alpha print runs have like gotten out into the wild. And supposedly there were only ever like 4,000 copies of each alpha rare.
0: Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I saw that too. All
1: that was made.
0: Yeah. I saw that same thing too. It wasn't very many. Yeah. And like, there are way more copies of, well, Depending on how many got thrown out, of lion's eye diamonds. Right. Than there are of uh black lotuses. Right. Probably in all of the printings, Alpha Beta Unlimited. Yeah. Than compared to oh, just sure. Lion's Eye Diamonds from Mirage. Right. So those cards that are that are now like not playable but people are still buying up, there's just more of them. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's kind yeah. of playing the lottery of Well, these yeah, these reserve list cards went up in price, so I'm going to buy a reserve list card that's cheap and hope. Yeah, I mean, Um, I've thought about that, but there aren't any more cheap reserve list cards. Have you ever heard of Griffin Canyon? Do I own some because they are on the reserve list? I do. (laughs) They're in visions. You know how much they are currently? I do not. How much did you pay for Like probably four or five dollars okay they're 15 a piece right now okay i might have paid less like i got them a long time ago yeah i didn't no, they, pay 15 they, they for them. Up pretty recently yeah i did not pay 15 for them yeah but like that card's like it taps for a colorless and then like you can pay one and tap it and you give a griffin plus one plus one yep. or something stone
1: unplayable
0: stone unplayable but you know what there's also a griffin legend in visions as well that i think is also on the reserve list oh yeah and I have some of him in case the Griffin Commander Boom happens. <laughs> People were like, "I want to play this terrible card because it's a Griffin. It can become a Commander." Real quick, I mean, technically on topic, but also kind of off topic.
1: Did you see that Null Rod has come up in price again? I know it's close to hundred bucks. Okay, have you sold your Null Rods yet? I have not. Okay, you should sell your Null Rods. You think? hang on let me let me get back to it is $290 enough to make you sell your null rods that i got for 20 bucks a
0: pop yeah yeah i should probably get off my null rods huh you should probably get off your null rods yeah this is absurd okay yeah so like there there is an aspect of like it's a collectible but like you said like no one feels bad when superman number one is a million dollars Because they can go experience Superman number one online or some reprint of it or something. Yeah. But here you can't experience it because there are no reprints and you don't want to spend $290 on a null rod. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like I need a null rod for this deck and it's $300. I guess I'm not going to play this deck or I'm going to play something that's not as good as null rod. Right, so yeah, there aren't the feel bads, right? Mm-hmm. Like when there's like the Honus Wagner rookie card that sells for like a million dollars or whatever, you're just yeah. like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, does fine. it does it impact me?
1: Right, my life is not going to change because I don't
0: have that card. Yeah, but, but when Gaia magic, Gaia's Cradle, yeah, yeah, when,
1: preclude you from playing elves.
0: Yeah, it's like nope, can't spend a thousand dollars on a Gaia's Cradle. So, and that's probably old price. Horrible. Yeah, and that's probably an old price. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So what is the reserve list? So like, I think we've talked about it before, but just like a quick crash course. All right. In the beginning, Wizards was a small company
1: and they didn't have any idea of how popular the game was going to be. So when they went to print, they printed as much as they could afford That's how they determined what the print runs were. They printed absolutely as much as they could afford to print. And then when all that sold, they sent it back to print again. And then when that all sold, they sent it back to print again. That's where you got alpha beta unlimited from alpha was as much as they could afford. Beta was all the profits from alpha and unlimited was all the profits from beta. Yes. In the middle there, we also had like Arabian nights, antiquities, legends, whatever about the point where we come up to like revised and dark, the quantity that wizards could afford to print had roughly matched the demand. I played back then. So part of this is just from my recollection. I don't know if there's any hard numbers or not, but I don't remember like the dark and revised sitting around. Like when it, when it came in, there was plenty where, you know, you didn't have to worry about it selling out before you got there, but it's not like, it hung out on shelves all the time either, like you see um, with some of the other sets from that period. Yeah. After that, we kind of entered the era of overprinting, where like Fallen Empires, Homelands, 4th Edition, Ice Age, that stuff was everywhere, and like to the point where you couldn't sell it. Um, well,
0: I mean, in 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 Wizard's Defense, like Homelands was trash, and you're right. just like, yeah, that oh, is still
2: with Fallen Empires yeah
0: if all it's like oh i could have these cards from legends or arabian nights that seem really good or i could have autumn willow Hmm. (laughs) thinking thinking i'll take the legends card think mana drain or autumn willow i don't know yeah yeah but yeah so so some of the sets were kind of duds in there but like fourth and ice age was were good yeah but yeah but you Um, could you could get them i remember going to the store and buying ice age and it yeah. wasn't like, it was like, wasn't like, Hey man, you got the stuff. It was just, there was just ice age there. Yeah. It's not like you had to work to look for it. Like
1: I, I remember like trying to chase down revised packs, not because it was super hard to get, but just that, you know, it was at the tail end of its life cycle and it wasn't just hanging out at every store. Like I remember having to go to a couple different bookstores instead of just game stores to find, you know, packs are revised towards the end. Yeah. Whereas, you know, up until a couple of years ago, you could walk into any game store and there'd be a box of Fallen Empires on the shelf 20 years later.
0: Yeah, and like I still think you probably can find some game stores that have some Fallen Empires. I
1: don't know if you've
0: priced Fallen Empires sealed product
1: lately, but I don't think that's the case anymore. Has it gone through the roof?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Hey, would you
1: like but some yeah, like, bad I mean, cards? Up until, exactly. Uh, up until a few years ago, like I think I was talking to you when this happened i think i was talking to you like in our group chat watching an event but like star city games posted up that they were like fire sailing fallen empires boxes for a couple hundred bucks a piece okay and that was the point where supply dried up i think that they had liquidated a distributor and just taken all of the fallen empires that was left and was just moving it and since that point uh sealed fallen empires has gone up significantly
0: okay give me one second so we had all these like sets that started to like get larger print runs Mm -hmm. and then wizards was like well there are all these people that haven't got access to all these cool cards or some of these cool cards that we printed early on yep so they did chronicles there was,
1: there was kind of a couple sets that were in the same vein as Chronicles. We only got Chronicles here, uh, but there was also, like the game was kind of expanding overseas too, in different languages. So we had like the foreign Black Border cards that was basically revised, but in different languages in Black Border. And then we had Chronicles here, and we had Renaissance um, overseas as well, which is mostly the same as Chronicles, except it was a different... Set of reprints. Gotcha. Um, okay. But Chronicles was a reprint only set from Arabian Nights, Antiquities, Legends, and Dark. Um, it was all white border and they kept their old expansion symbols. Yes. So it was kind of like a curated list. And since Chronicles came out during the period of time when Fallen Empires, Homelands, Fourth Ice Age was around, it was also massively printed. And I think Chronicles probably still kicks around a lot and you can get packs pretty cheap, even you know 20 some years later.
0: I was gonna say so this led to uh, nerds to lose their ever loving mind. yeah, yep
1: that is exactly what I was gonna say, um, especially the like the people that had been around for a while and the strict collectors lost their mind. They threw a fit. The reserve list came directly out of that. Wizards didn't want to piss everybody off. So they came out with this policy where they would save some things and keep them special. It's basically a promise to that in, you know, sets, they were going to handpick cards out and never to reprint them.
0: Didn't it start out like all rares? Like for the old cards, it was like all rares. And then as it went forward... It kind of got smaller and smaller until they were like.
1: I don't think it was all rares. It was like a certain. I think it was a certain percentage of okay. rares. It would save to not be reprinted, because like at the time they were still reprinting cards and core sets. Like even revised had reprints from like antiquities in it in Arabian Nights. Yeah. So. And then fourth edition had like a bunch of reprints too, like Strip Mine. And Sylvan Library and like Land Tax were in fourth edition. They were all reprints.
0: Yeah. So basically because in I don't know, was that like 96, 95?
1: Um, yeah, it was 95 or 96, I think.
0: Right. That the collectors were like, hey, my $20 cards now $15. Uh, Wizards was like, OK, let's not print cards. These certain cards, and that right. gave birth to the reserve list. And mm-hmm. you know, in 95, 96 bucks, like I remember buying $20 underground seas, right? in yep. like, that's fine. Okay, the card went from 15 to 20, dollars, or oh, it's not gonna ever be printed again. Now it's $25. Yeah. I don't think they ever envisioned the game being around in 25 years. Yeah, and so, having $1,100
1: underground
0: seas. Yeah. Like, they never envisioned that to be how the how the game was going to go. They were just trying to, like, make it to 1997 right. or 1998. Well, we don't want to tick off a huge part of our customer base by, mm-hmm. you know, devaluing their cards as a as a collectible. Because, right, there's a lot of people that didn't think of them as, like, game pieces. And right. also, like, if the game piece, if Underground Seeds were $20, you were like, well, if I went for Underground Seeds, I'll just spend 80 bucks which 80 dollars in like mid 90s bucks is a lot of money but it's not i mean
1: you're also talking about like a different demographic too like back in the 90s there wasn't like the plethora of you know late 30s early 40s year old dudes playing this game yeah it was mainly kids i mean there there were some older people like older people that i i remember playing against but not like it is today
0: yeah well and uh you know it's that also would keep prices down because they have no disposable income. Right. Yeah. I want to sell this underground tea for a hundred dollars. Cool, bro. Like I cut grass. I will get back to you in a month (laughs) and a half when I have saved a hundred dollars.
1: I don't know if I ever told you this story, but there was a guy that I used to, I mean, he wasn't, didn't live in my hometown, but lived in like the greater Syracuse area. And I would run into him at tournaments and he was, you know 5 or 6 years older than me at the time but he was a nice enough dude and i used to make it a point when like when i went to a weekend at event to i don't remember what the dude's name was but to go over to him and say hi and i remember one tournament i went to and i saw him talking to like the shop owner or whatever and he was selling his cards and i was like oh you know what are you doing he's like oh well i just got my driver's license and i'm i need a car so I'm selling all my cards. And he had like all of the power and like a handful, like a stack of duels. And he's like, yeah, I just got like $4,000 for, you know, this long box full of power and dual lands.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Whew>. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's where the reserve list comes from. And that's where, you know, the, the safety of, These as like, you know, as it's weird to say, as an investment item is because Wizards has basically said we legally can't print these cards because in some timeline we could be sued. Yeah, it's not worth it for them. Yeah. And just real quick, there was no Twitter. Think about how angry the nerds had to be (laughs) that they had to get out like a typewriter and they had to type an angry letter. Get yeah, a and send it to and se- yeah, send it to the duelist, and yeah, send it to the duelist or send it to like uh wizards HQ, right? Yeah. They're like, oh my god, we got seven letters that these people are mad. <laughs> oh my gosh,
2: yeah.
0: Right, so a much different time. Oh yeah. Other than wizards, whose fault is it that uh magic car- magic decks are kidney cost? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't. I think
0: fault is pretty. Like that's a pretty
1: strong word. But a strong man. I know I know where you're going with this. It's the evil investors' fault.
0: There we go. Thank you. There we go.
1: Yeah. And the reason I say that that's a strong word is because like part of what we do is like we're the evil investors. Like that's part of why we wanted to do this show in the first place, right? Yeah. Um like we wanted to teach everybody kind of our tips and tricks to like get the most out of your magic experience. And part of that is, like, having a living, breathing, growing, shrinking collection that, you know, can have cards come and go over time, like, so you're not priced out of decks in the future. And that's part of the problem, is that these evil investor types that are, you know, using these game pieces as investment vehicles or stores of value for a future date or you know, speculation targets or whatever are kind of, I guess, messing the game up for people that aren't.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's, do you remember the card that really started this? Like Yeah, it was uh, the moat guy, right? It was moat. So yeah. moats were like $200 or something. Yeah, Which a couple is not bucks. cheap, yeah. Well, he bought them out and like tripled their pl- price in like a week. Yeah. And that's when people started to realize that the actual market is really, really small. And on so, the older stuff. Yeah. yeah, on the older stuff. So if you decided, like, I want to buy every fill-in-the-blank card. Like, yeah. pick, pick a reserve list thing. I want to buy every All Hallows Eve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? If you had enough capital... You could easily buy every one that was for sale in the world. You could just go to every website and buy them all. Right. And now you control how much the price of all hollows Eve is. Right. So if they were a hundred bucks a pop, you could start selling them at $700 a pop. Cause you own all of them. As long as you could find somebody to buy it. Absolutely. And like, A lot of magic spending is, we've said this before, driven by FOMO. Like, oh man, if I'm going to get an All Hallows Eve, I got to do it now. Because they went from $100 to $700. Where are they going to be tomorrow? I got to get in. Yeah. And so that just showed how small and like manipulatable the market was.
1: Yeah, I think like that, the moat example in particular, I believe there were only like 20 copies of moat. Affected like this guy literally bought twenty copies of Moat. Yeah. At the time, it was every copy that was for sale online, and he just bought them
0: all. And the price of them like doubled. Yeah, and he just made easy money. And then I think a lot of other people started doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, Raider, like it's it started off with some of the like the legacy staples. Not that Moat saw like a ton of play, but it saw play. But I, I'm pretty sure like drop of honey was one of the next ones mm-hmm. in Tabernacle. And then it kind of devolved
0: from there to stuff that doesn't even really see play. Yeah. no Rod. Uh, <laughs> no Rod. It took a while. I was getting yeah. Null Rods five years ago. I think I only have four or five, but I was yeah. getting them like five years ago. You probably are only ever going to need one or two. So yeah. At least three of them can leave. At least three of them can leave. So, like, there is the the investor aspect but part mm-hmm. of it is just, like, I think the investor aspect is where you get, like, the cards that don't see play. Yeah. That are going up. Right? Well, I mean,
1: some of that could be FOMO, too, though.
0: It can be. But what but I mean I- is, like, the cards that are, like, there's 70 of these for sale. I can just buy all the didgeridoos. Right? Now I have control of the didgeridoo market.
2: hmm
0: now I get to see how much a didgeridoo is worth. uh the answer is like two dollars, but uh, <laughs> that's not what is not being charged, right? so like no. i think I think that like you could almost talk yourself into like, well, people want underground cs because they're played. That's driving the 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 cost. but I think a lot of it is just the person that just went like, I'm gonna buy twenty underground cs because I have access to like, you know ten grand. Mm-hmm. And I think I can turn these, you know, underground C's into from ten grand into forty grand, and that's kind of what has, what's happened recently. Yeah, with a lot of stuff because like I think the like price of an underground C due to play is probably three hundred dollars, like two to three hundred. Like that's where it sat for years, and and that was just like if you want to play legacy, you got to pay two or three hundred dollars to get an underground C. And it just kind of stayed there. And then one day they went to 500, then <laughs> 700. And it's like, well, this can't be people like wanting to play Legacy because that's not what the cards cost for a long time. Right. Remember when they, long, long time. when they first started going up, we thought like, oh, okay, this is because of the um, Team Trios uh, Pro Tour. Right. Yep. Where like a bunch of people who didn't have dual lands needed to get them. All of a sudden yeah and that just kind of correlated with when they just they never came back down from that if that was driving the cost at all but we're all like oh it's because of the team trios thing it'll come down no nope. not at all
1: unfortunately like some of the stuff doesn't even really have to be buyouts anymore like when we're talking about buyouts Like traditionally, it's been like somebody or one or two people going out and targeting a card in particular and just wiping the marketplace of them. And that's kind of changed to being more FOMO-driven. And it's not just one or two people anymore. Like if a new card gets spoiled that makes something that's older more desirable, it's kind of like all of the collective nerds go out. And even if the thing had a massive print run, because people have seen what's happened to you know some of the older cards they'll just go out and swarm some random you know garbage card because it might be good in this new deck I mean, with we, like absolutely
0: no testing and no reason for it. We actually just saw this, right? What was yeah. that uh that uh discard spell? I forget what it was called. The one in the black a target player discards too that are like and then you can like discard a card or something. And
1: oh uh, yeah, um, the words no not it's like of chain waste. of
0: smog. Chain of smog. Yep. Right, like that card went from fifty cents to like I was like, oh, I should go grab a couple of these just in yeah. case, and they were like fifteen dollars. Yeah. And I and it's an uncommon from like onslaught, onslaught or something, and I was just like, nope, not gonna yeah. bother. Like deck's probably bad anyway. Yeah. So got like. Some of- oh so i bought them forever (laughs) gotcha but like those kind of things it's like not worth chasing but what happens is is like one person puts it together and then mentions the card then everyone runs out and buys it right and like if a person was trying to do like a buyout or like a small thing like you can like start a panic if you just go on Star City and buy all of one card. Right. And then it, people on Reddit and Twitter will be like, oh my gosh, there used to be, you know, chain of smogs a- at Star City. Now they're all gone. I wonder why they're they're gone. I need to go get some.
1: I mean, it happens every day. If you go to the MTG Finance subreddit, every day there's a card or there's, you know, somebody will post up a card and it'll say supply low on uh, Magic Card Marketplace or supply low on Star City Games, and that's enough to get people to buy the card.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Like no reason, no like you know, grand. People are just monitoring like stock levels of cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay, cool, right? And then like someone sends in a long box full of them, and it's just like, oh, right. oops, I guess we goofed. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what you got to be careful of. Yeah. Yeah. So, it is. It is a very different world mm-hmm. than you know. It a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it is like just like almost like penny stocks. Yeah. Right. Like oh, there's a way put it. Yeah. There's like low. There's low risk on some level because like yeah, you might lose all of your money you put in, but if you put in like twenty bucks, right? right Who cares? Who cares? But then if your stupid penny stock company actually just isn't, like, some scam or, like, you know, comes out of bankruptcy and makes any money, right, your $20 investment could be worth, you know, $20,000. So, you're like, oh, I'm going to spin the dice or roll the dice. Spin the wheel, roll the (laughs) dice. You know, we'll put together some metaphors. Um, Right? And so... You know, I think there's a lot of that. Like, I'm going to buy this, like, 20-cent card and see what happens. Yeah. Because, you know, says the guy who has a stack of uh, Chamber Centuries. Says the guy who has the stack of Deathmiss Raptors. Yes. Yes. So, like, you know, we're we're not without fault. But, like, I own, like, 100 Chamber Centuries or maybe more. And, like, I'm probably out, like, 20 bucks.
2: Right.
0: Right? So, like, and, you know, there are multiple stores on TCG Player that have 100 Chamber Sentry. It's like, I'm keeping no one from playing Chamber Sentry. Oh, I think even if there
1: wasn't stock on TCG Player, you weren't keeping anybody from playing Chamber Sentry.
0: This is fair. Right? (laughs) But it's different for reserve list cards because, like, if you have 100, like, if I had 100 Null Rods, Like, I could have, like, kept multiple people off of having a rod in their sideboard. Right. Right. So, now I ask, how Mm -hmm. do we play Legacy going forward? If you just want to play Legacy with your friends, how are we doing it? I know when, back in the before
1: times, when we ran Monday Night Legacy and we ran it out of two long boxes, Um, one of our friends had a bunch of Legacy decks printed. And they weren't, I mean, you could definitely tell looking at them, they were not real magic cards, but, you know, there was name, casting costs, some artwork. For all intents and purposes, you could play the game with these cards. And that's fine as long as the, everybody's fine with it and the event's not sanctioned, you are allowed to do this. But it was a really great way to get some people interested in the format that probably didn't have any means to buy into the format. Yeah. And, like, we ran that Legacy Gauntlet for years, right? A couple years at yeah, least. Yeah, a couple
0: of years. Yeah, like, uh, interest kind of waxed and waned. I think that as Legacy got more expensive, yeah. I think people were maybe a little less interested in playing the Gauntlet because they knew they could never, like, play Buy in. it anywhere else. Yeah. But, yeah. no, I think that there's definitely... People enjoyed it. The people who had mm-hmm. Legacy decks were just happy to have people to play against, which is like a... A, yeah. a long running theme with legacy players. It's like, oh, I get to actually play my cards.
1: Right. Yeah. No, but no legacy player, nobody that enjoys the format is going to care if you are using proxies or not because really they just want to play with their cards. I'm willing to bet that the same goes for like EDH players and CEDH players as well. Like yeah. Nobody really cares as long as you get to play the game that you want to play.
0: Yeah and again like as long as it's not sanctioned as long as you don't put the store at like in at any kind of risk right right and like you know if you and a friend have heard about legacy and you want to play legacy like the number of like you put 60 islands in a sleeve and then you print <laughs> out like yeah. 60 cards on your printer and you cut them out you do a little arts and crafts project slide them in front of your islands and there you go you have a legacy deck right And it costs you like the hour of arts and crafts time.
1: Yeah. The one thing that I will say is like being somebody that has played against a bunch of people with proxy legacy cards or proxy cards in general, I guess I should say. Like just put a little bit of effort into your proxies.
0: Yeah. If there's a bunch of like white stuff sticking out of the top of your sleeve, like clean that up.
1: Like make sure they're legible.
0: Yeah, like if if you just put a pen in your mouth and then scrawled over a piece of paper, like that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, especially like with some of the more obscure stuff, because like that's kind of what makes Legacy cool—is you get to play like a bunch of obscure cards that maybe people don't necessarily know about, and if nobody knows what the cards
0: do, then that's a problem. Yeah, like if I say to you like Metalworker, you know what Metalworker does, because you're old, like me. Right, <laughs> right. But if like you're if you're playing it someone who's newer and you just have written Metalworker on a card, they have no idea. Right, right, right. Let's see here. It's a three mana, one two that you tap it, reveal artifacts from your hand, and you get two colorless mana for each artifact you revealed this way. Yep. Right. Cool. But like, if you've been playing Magic for like three years, and yeah, you probably have no idea. You uh, have workers. no idea. So, like, be, like, mindful of that person. Yeah. So you you have some, like, cool, like, proxy sites?
1: Yeah. One of the things that, like, I, I didn't want to just put up here, go buy fake cards, because that I don't think that's necessarily what people should do. And that's not really what I meant when I was talking about this kind of stuff. I have come across... Like I'm interested in some of the altars that people do. Like there's some really cool altars. Like uh was it Clug does some amazing mm-hmm. altars. And in looking through some of this altar stuff, I came across a couple places to have like actual cards printed that are altars. And like just to clarify that, like people there's like people in the community that will like digitally mock up whatever card and like change the artwork or change the frame um, like yeah the frame the border the whole layout of the card and like there's some wild stuff out there
0: I think the um, proxy guy is one of the more famous ones do not ask him to buy his card he yells at you every time but yeah. like the proxy well, I, I guy on like Twitter in general, you're not supposed to ask any of them to buy cards because that's like a big legal no-no yes yeah. right but my, my point being just like That's a, that's a famous person. Uh, The the tweets I see from him most when I'm like, when it just pops up is like, I look at the card and they're like the first, don't ask me to buy this. Stop asking me to buy this. Like, okay, dude, I, I got the, I'm sorry. People are dumb, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, but yeah, like I'm all for like, you know, if you, if you want to get printed in underground sea as a proxy, right? Mm -hmm. Use the magic online art, right? (laughs) Use, use, Make it so if you, like, lose your deck and someone finds it, they don't try to sell the the cards and think that they're real and, like, get them, like, into the, like, environment. Circulate. Yeah, Uh because I have, like, been sold a fake uh, tropical island before. Uh Uh-huh. And we've seen multiple pieces of power come through the uh, local game store that aren't real.
1: Oh, we had some almost go out of the game store that were not real. They were very close. They were very good. They were, yeah. I couldn't tell the difference. That, that it was very, very good. Yes, I. Forget I was how... shocked when I found it was not real.
0: Yeah, I forget how they figured it out, but
1: um, high res scans. Gotcha. Yeah, able to zoom way in, and when you zoom way in, it was pretty apparent that it wasn't real. Gotcha. But, but... passed every other test.
0: Yeah. So. Like, don't be that person. Right? Yeah. But, like, if you're, like, I want to proxy up a legacy deck and I mm-hmm. want it to look nice, sure. But just make sure you're, like, you know, making sure you're not hurting the the next person. Right. Yep. Right? Or, like, tricking someone. Because, right, like, yeah. you know, your goal really shouldn't be to, like, I want to try to, like, sneak this proxy legacy deck into a GP. Your goal should be like, I want to play Legacy. So So
1: that's kind of like a whole nother thing that I want to talk about. But let me just finish up with this proxy thing real quick. Okay. So there's kind of two great resources for proxies. There's a whole subreddit called MPC Proxies. It's r slash MPC Proxies. And that's all people. If you join the subreddit, they all have Google Drives full of cards that they've mocked up. So you can literally get anything you want with basically whatever art you want. And then if you go to makeplayingcards.com, that's what MPC stands for. You can like submit an order for, you know, a deck of cards printed with whatever you want on the front and back. And they're cheap. Like if you're, I think if you're buying a deck of cards, it's like 10 or 12 bucks. So, you know, if you're, you know, looking at making a gauntlet where, you know, you're going to have 2000 cards, you could realistically have 2000 cards printed for, I don't know, 60 bucks or 70 bucks, I guess. Yeah. Super cheap.
0: Yeah. And so that would be a way, again, like if you want to play legacy or you want to play commander, right, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully your play group either in Commander or Legacy is just cool with you, like, having cards. Because, again, it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't impact right. me if your cards are proxied as long as they're, like, easily to, easy to tell that they are proxied. Yeah. Because, like, we shouldn't be playing for any stakes with your proxied cards. Right. Playing for this thing called, I think it's called fun. Yeah. I hear, Enjoyment. I hear people, yeah, I hear people do things to enjoy it. Yeah. So... Like I said, as long as you're not trying to like sneak anything by, I think it's perfectly fine to like, you know, bang out your like proxy Delver deck so you yeah. can play it. Absolutely. And like, you know, the odds of you getting, you know, a lot of times eight people for a legacy event at your local store, whatever you're able to go back is pretty low. But like meeting up with like four people and just like spending the night playing like, you know, a little round robin, mm-hmm. like that's fine. Like whatever. Yeah.
1: And, like, that was that's kind of where I was going with this whole thing. Is I mean, you have to make sure that everybody's cool with proxies, but like, Wizards has kind of pulled a lot of the reasons to run sanctioned events away from game stores. Like, there's no Planeswalker points anymore, there's no working towards buys anymore, um, there's no ranking system. There's really not a great reason other than like product allocation for game stores to run like sanctioned events yeah so and especially once we start coming you know coming out the other side of this pandemic like local game stores are going to need some help so i'm pretty sure that they would be open to basically whatever gets an ass in a seat and, yeah like hey you know, would want to show up for a legacy event with you know six buddies that have a legacy gauntlet that you know you're willing to lend decks out, then I'm sure your local game store would be fine with that.
0: Yeah, like cool. You guys can play for store credit. We'll rake a little bit. You'll like buy some drinks. Yeah, you'll buy sleeves for your like gauntlet or whatever. Yeah, that's that's fine.
2: Yep. Yeah. So Something I think store.
0: Yeah, I think it's just you know getting like just making sure everyone is cool with everything. And mm-hmm. there's also, uh, again, I don't know how many of you were the mythical kitchen table player, right? But, like, if you watch, like, some, like, Anorak... Is that his name? Anorak. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Or, like, Menguchi Legacy video and go, like, oh, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? That looked fun. Like, sure, like, put together that deck and, like, two or three others. Get them printed out. Yeah. So that when your friend comes over for that mythical kitchen table game, he'd be like, Oh <laughs> hey, I saw this neat deck. Like, let's play it.
2: Yeah.
0: And I mean
1: that's kinda how I got into Legacy. Um, yeah. you remember that tournament that it was like a eternal weekend or something, like the first weekend depths was like a big deck?
0: That was the same time I bought Depths.
1: Was yeah, I was that,
0: like, that, Oh, sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I think I beat you to the um, Dark Depths yeah. at the store. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had to buy whole from the vaults instead of just the Dark Depths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oops.
0: But, like, yeah, that is a way to get in yeah. and, you know, playing Legacy for fun. Like, I think Legacy is rapidly approaching vintage. Probably. Where, like, I could see, I think we were at, like, a GP Charlotte. And think like, there was an actual real vintage tournament happening and like people yeah. were like, Oh yeah, do you like there was some like Greek guy or something that had like an all foiled out vintage deck? Whew. Or something that people were like, Oh my gosh, do you like it was just like like you heard about the vintage deck and people just went over and like watched. I'm I'd be surprised if like in two or three years, if there is a GP and there's yeah. like a legacy side of it that there won't be people, like, gathered around speaking in hushed tones. Right. Like, Oh, oh my, my God. God.
1: Did you see their Volcanic Island?
0: I've never that seen one of those before. Or Lion's Eye Diamonds. Yeah. Oh, man. And then he played a Phantasmagorian. I don't even know what that does. Uh, <laughs> why why <laughs> that does he that have... modern legal. <laughs> yes, it is. Why does he have, like, $75,000 worth of cards in a Phantasmagorian all in the same pile? <laughs> um, but, um... Yeah, so like, I think that it's going that way. Where like, if I yeah. wanted to like play vintage, mm-hmm. like I would have to do the same thing. I'd have to like you know print out my. I mean, we print talked out my about vintage We talked yeah.
1: about printing out a vintage cube, and yeah. then realized it was all just shop decks, and that wouldn't be much fun. <laughs> yes not a cube, or gauntlet.
0: Yeah, just shops. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. I have another idea on okay. how we fix the format.
1: All right, let's hear it.
0: It is it is bold, right? Okay. And I I in the show notes I put our only hope is lotus field.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So, let's explain to the listeners how our only
0: hope is lotus field. Lotus field when it was printed, I think it's biggest impact for me Wasn't the fact that it, like, enabled stupid combo decks in Pioneer that, like, you know, hung around for three months. Right. Right. It was the fact that they went up to the line of reprinting a reserve list card Mm -hmm. that was different enough functionally that it could skirt the reserve list. But was close enough in function that you looked at it and said, oh... They just kind of reprinted this reserve list card. Yeah. Now we've been kind of creeping up to this line
1: slowly, but Lotus Field is probably the closest that we've gotten to the line. Yeah. Because so, we also had was it days undoing? Is yeah. like almost not quite time twister.
0: Yeah. It it had a really big downside that kind of rendered it not great until you pair it with uh Hall Breacher. Right. And then <laughs> Then it's A plus good times. So the reserve list card is Lotus Veil from Weatherlight. Mm -hmm. And it is when Lotus Veil comes into play, sacrifice two untapped lands or bury Lotus Veil. And then tap, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. So Mm -hmm. Lotus Veil ramps you, right? It ramps you from two to three. Well, it doesn't like ramp you. I guess it like is your third land drop in theory, right? Yeah. Right. Then there's Lotus uh, Field, Mm-hmm. Which is hexproof. Right. So it saves
1: it, you from getting like wastelanded.
0: Yeah. It enters the battlefield tapped, so you can't use the mana that turn. Right. But you have to sacrifice just any two lands. You so you can use them for mana first. Yeah. So you don't they don't have to be untapped. And yeah. then it's tap add three mana of any one color. Mm-hmm. So it does a lot of Lotus Fail, but there's Most enough part. different that like, I don't think anyone was like, oh, man, I can't believe you, like, pr- printed a functional reprint of uh, Lotus Vale. Yeah. Right? It was just like, oh, this is a different enough card that it's fine. Yep. Right? So, I feel like you could go in a direction where you print cards that are functionally similar to list mm-hmm. cards, but not... Uh, reserve list cards right right more different than like everyone's been like oh they should just print snow duels that come into play untapped and have like land types it's like no that's a little too close that's a strictly better dual land That <laughs> is a strictly better dual land in like yeah. 2021 with the way snow stuff works right. but like that was always like they could just print the snow duels and get around because they're not f- exactly functionally the same and yeah. you know yeah, but that I think is too close. I think that is something that, like, is clearly trying to, like, skirt the reserve list with something that is too close. Yeah. So, I was thinking that you could print some slight print slight variations of, like, heavily played reserve list cards. Because, really, the pricing in Legacy mm-hmm. is, like, seven cards. Well, right. not counting the duels. Seventeen, maybe. Like yeah. I went through like the most played spells according to like MTG Goldfish, mm-hmm. and like I, it was either most played spells or most played cards. Like Lion's Eye Diamond is like 50th, and it's like the first reserveless card that's not a, not not a duel. So I think it yeah. was the spells. So it's not like it's this huge amount. Like the, all the top tiers or all the most played cards are reserveless cards if you take out the lands, yeah. right? So, as to not, like, you know, kind of change the feel of Legacy, right? Like, Shocklands have, like, a, a very distinct downside.
1: Unless you're playing Shadow. Unless you're playing Shadow. Right? Looked, I mean, that's a legitimate competitive deck in Legacy.
0: It is. But what if we had fast lands? So, like, the, the, the lands from Scars or Kaladesh, but yeah. they had basic land types. Yeah, I mean, they
1: be different enough from duels that you wouldn't just call it a reprint of a duel
0: right your first three or four turn or three turns in delver Mm -hmm. they are exactly the same as duel lands well i
1: mean to be fair most of the game would play out the same like how how many games played
0: against delver where they had more than three lands very few right i mean especially like you get wastelanded so now you have an extra land drop with an untapped land because you played a wasteland
1: or you daze something and you bounce a land.
0: Yeah. So you you get a lot of the dual land feature. Yeah. Like coming into play untapped plus not costing you life. That's right. kind of the, the backbone of legacy. I think that one's like the easiest. Mm-hmm. Now, this next one is probably too close. Uh, but yeah. I also came up with some sweet names uh so instead of Gaia's cra- cradle we have Gaia's playpen mm-hmm. it taps for a colorless and then you can tap to add a green for each creature you control that's probably yeah. too close will, I'll be probably the first to admit you could also do the same thing Sarah's uh hideout as opposed to Sarah's sanctum <laughs> same thing but you could do some twist on on these lands where yeah. you know you, uh guys play... for
1: making them double face cards
0: yeah guys play pen you have to like sacrifice a creature when it comes into play or sack a land or sack a land right like yeah. it's a market downside but it lets you play elves right city of Scumbags. <laughs> um tap yeah, and head t- yeah tap and head two When another land enters the battlefield under your control you sack it mm-hmm. now so what's interesting is City of Traitors is when a when you play a land. So fetching right. doesn't count as playing a land.
1: Oh. So
0: by changing it to when a land comes into play. Yeah, you're making it slightly worse. Yeah. It still
1: so, does most of the same thing.
0: Yeah. So I found out about the fetching thing like in a tournament. Uh, I was yeah. like, can I fetch? Like that doesn't count as like playing a land, right? Or it was like a matter reshaper trigger. like, I'm just putting it onto the battlefield. I'm not playing it. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't count as playing. I'm like, oh, cool. Right? Church of the Pendrel Vale. So Tabernacle is worded really weird. Like, you could make a
1: Tabernacle awkwardly. Awkwardly.
0: Yeah, you could make the way I worded this card was also garbage uh, because this (laughs) isn't my job. But, like, the way Tabernacle works is each creature is given the you have to pay one or destroy it. Right. As opposed to, like, wording it some way that it's, like, an effect that the Tabernacle has. The right. Tabernacle goes, here, creatures, you have this now. As opposed yeah. to being, like, me, Tabernacle, I do this thing. Right. So you could word it somehow that it's, like, if you don't pay one for a creature, you have to sacrifice that creature. Yeah, as opposed which is to-
1: also different from uh, yeah. Tabernacle. Cause it because it says destroy. Destroy.
0: So that way, like meritlage would get sacri- would get sacrificed, but Merit Lage doesn't get destroyed yeah. to a, a tabernacle. I mean, and you, you
1: can, can make it all one trigger. Yeah, and you could you can... say at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they pay X, where X is the number of creatures they control. If they can't pay X, they sacrifice all creatures they control.
0: Or like you know, or you know, you you know, what if they like you can pay three, but you have four creatures? Like then or they another, sacrifice you know. eight. Or, yeah, it's that... Or, or they sacrifice, you know, the difference. Yeah. Right? yeah. However you want to word it. right? We mm-hmm. kind of get to the same thing. But, like, that gives you a way to print that card. Or you could just make it tap for mana. Right. Yeah, right? That, too. That, too. Um, drop of honey can become drop of sugar, and you just make it legendary.
1: The sugar cube. The
0: sugar cube. You make it legendary... Which, again, that's skirting too close. But yeah. you could come up with something where, you know, it, like, you know, sacrifices the creature with the highest power. Right? Again, if yeah. it sacrifices opposed to destroy or other way around. Yeah. Right? Uh, so Lion's Eye, Cubic Zirconium. <laughs> uh, you can make it legendary and or you can make it exile when it's activated. So that breaks yeah. up, like... You know, loops you could have with it.
1: Right. Like, le- I don't know that Legendary really does it or changes the card basically at all. But Exile would definitely, like, you couldn't play it in Bomberman.
0: Yeah, you couldn't play it in Bomberman. Like, it would get rid of some decks. Now, yeah. the, like, maybe controversial part of what I'm thinking here is then you just ban the other ones.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Oh, right. wait a minute. That's like a whole nother show.
0: But my, my point being is, right when we talked about the like the fast lands with land types, you're like, well they'd yeah. be too good for modern, they break modern. And it's like okay, like you have to do it in like a commander product, but it's not good enough for commander product. But my yeah. my my fear was like, okay, they're too good for modern because now you have too many versions of like a watery grave, right? You now have eight watery graves or like watery grave adjacent thing right well you don't want to have eight underground seas right so you're like okay these are now the thing and our goal is to print them in a high enough quantity that Mm -hmm. they're They're not they're accessible you know you could and again I'm, i'm a wild man here what if you just had secret layer not quite the reserve list (laughs) <laughs> and it was and it was hey it was only hun- available to people that uh,
1: had the subscription
0: service which I've seen tweets about that and I have no idea what it is oh uh, you
1: didn't Oh, you, pr- you haven't bought any secret layers have you
0: uh, not in a while like I don't even think I I bought the Thalia one
1: it was a survey that came
0: out I oh. I, I got it like before I started seeing videos for it I got the okay. survey so but like all right, so the the fast lands, yeah, ten of them are a hundred dollars. So you spend four hundred dollars, yeah. you have all the the fast lands. So now you can play Legacy for four hundred dollars. You can play any right. colored deck you want. Any deck you wanted to, right? And they would make all the money, right? And would be like good to go.
1: So. Do you have a tinfoil hat handy and slash or time to don one for a moment? Yes, I can wear a tinfoil hat. Go ahead. Okay. So we had just talked about how legacy in a few years time may be vintage, right? Yes. And we have talked in the past about how the current slate of magic products is ramping up power levels. Mm Mm-hmm. And also about how we have Modern Horizons, like, changing Modern fundamentally. Yes. Like, creating new archetypes, getting rid of old archetypes. Like, what if that's the plan? To just, what if like, they're just going to print cards into Modern to
0: make it Legacy and then just let Legacy go away? You could. Like, that would be super awkward. But then, like, I feel like they have to, like... I don't know. Then, like, I feel like you have to, like, free dark depths. Like, you can't have, like, the format, like, some of well, the right, things but, that are modern legal that are banned. Like, I don't even know how good, like, depths would be in modern.
1: Yeah, but if you're, like, if you're ramping up the power level of the format, like, that's totally something you could address. Like, four yeah. four years ago, would you have thought that Stoneforge and Jace were safe in modern? Uh no, and like Jace is Borderline unplayable? That's that's what I mean. Yeah. So no. if you're if you're gonna print almost dual lands and almost cradle and almost tabernacle into modern, like sure, you can revisit the the band list and probably unban most of it.
0: Yeah. Doesn't punishing fire just look idiotic on the ban list? I know, right? <laughs> Like, oh, it's two mana deal two and you can get it back? Oh, man, that's too good. Yeah, I'm going to play a two mana six six that, like, uh, drains (laughs) you, that makes you discard a card, hits you for three and and does that every time you turn it sideways. But no, you can discard your punish supplier to that and then let me gain a life so you can get it back to discard two of my six six again. Yeah, Yeah. it, yeah. But yeah, you, you could do that, which, like, would be. On, like, one hand would be sad. But, like, if you got to have a lot of the same gameplay, Mm -hmm. like, the cards that have to make it into the new modern, right, Mm -hmm. are Brainstorm. and, But, like, then you're just, like... I mean, how do you know they're not testing that with Historic right now? I mean, they could be. But, like, I feel like how many people are you going to, like... Take off that like I liked playing modern, and now modern is like ponders and brainstorms and delvers, and that I was mean, how, legacy. How many people are you gonna piss off that like that the modern that
1: they play doesn't exist anymore anyway?
0: This is fair. Like it doesn't. When was
1: the last time Jund
0: was good? Oh, a million years ago. Yeah, I mean, like two, it, honestly, it was like, a April Fool's joke this year. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, like two thousand eighteen. Like, Probably. honestly, right? Yeah. Was the last time it was like, oh, Jund is, Jund is good. And, I mean, that was pillar of the format for
1: the existence of Modern.
0: Yes, that was that was the, the barometer if the format's good. And now, like, I don't know, the barometer's like, how how quickly can you uh, win with primetime? Right. Like, that's the barometer of the format. Or, like, I've got to cast, like, four spells at a turn so I can, like, blitz you out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it's
1: the the modern that people would complain about being gone, I think is arguably already gone.
0: Yeah, like I guess you could, you know, if you put the cards in modern that people want from Legacy, mm-hmm. again, like Brainstorm Ponder, preordain oh god like maybe Wasteland. Wasteland Days, like you could do that and basically just have the same format. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think Storm players are going to be upset that they have to cast 10 spells instead of 20. Right. Right. And, like, you have, again, like, you know, knock off Lion's Eye Diamond. Mm -hmm. Right. Lion's Eye Patch. And then you you use that (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I could see that where they they let Vintage... Bunny's Eye Diamond. What? It's a Bunny's Eye Diamond. Bunny's Eye Diamond. They, like, let Vintage kind of go away and they only, like, go in and deal with Vintage when they've printed something that has just rendered it an unplayable hellscape right and like they're not too far off from that legacy right so yeah like they could just it could just go away and then it's like you know because i mean if you think about it in the before times everyone just stopped like at gps there weren't any more legacy events like they just stopped offering them so, like, it was almost like, why even bother taking my legacy deck out of the safe? Right.
1: Yeah. I no, mean, that's you... that's like a whole, whole nother, uh, whole nother conversation, too.
0: Yeah. But, like, there's also people are kind of super down on Pioneer to the point where I heard like PK say, like, hey, you know, maybe we'll just start playing historic in paper as opposed to Pioneer because, you know, Pioneer just doesn't do it. I'm like, it's because Pioneer's not on Arena. It,
1: it never had the chance to do it. It never had like, the chance. It existed and then nobody played Magic anymore.
0: Yeah, it existed for five months, was, like, questionably, like, uh, curated. Everyone was yeah. super hyped for it and then it went away. And I'm like, I don't think the answer... But, like, yeah, you could see, like, Pioneer filling the, like, modern spot. Yeah. Modern fill- filling the legacy spot. Legacy becoming the new vintage. Right. You get to play it once a year. Yeah. And then vintage, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it would be fine. Like, it would give me a chance to, like, play the decks and interactions. But, like, you know, if they put Sneak and Show into modern, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I guess everyone just plays Sneak and Show? Well, not everyone, but my point being, like, then, like, don't those decks just take over and you just lose all your old modern decks? But we might just be losing them anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I, that was kind of the point that I was making, yeah. is that, like, all of those pillars of the format either have a Legacy-equivalent
0: deck or don't exist anymore anyway. So we will we will see. I don't want Legacy to die, but there's not... Unless they, like, take, you know... The stance of like, hey, we're going to print these like almost almost reserve list cards because like you used to go to tell someone get elves. It's cheap because like cradles were twenty five dollars or seventy five dollars.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, they were cheaper than duels. So there was a good way to get into the format
0: because you weren't
1: spending a million dollars on your mana base.
0: Last time we checked, like uh, elves was the most expensive deck in Legacy. Yeah like buy a, a ways yeah because you're like oh i play like four Bayous, and four uh cradles so there's yeah. like eight grand on just that
1: lands looks like it's the most expensive deck at nine thousand
0: dollars okay elves I mean, is six thousand dollars okay elves has come down a bit yeah but that would require like lands to be a playable deck yeah but yeah like it's you know you can't so like what's well the...
1: this version's only playing two bayous that's why it's only six thousand.
0: Oh, okay okay yeah but what is the like like what is the cheap legacy deck now like dnt
1: uh yeah dnt's 900 bucks
0: yeah and like that's that's because like most of the cards that you play in dnt are cards that have been printed in the last seven yeah. years Right, like the oldest card in that deck is Mother of Runes? And Karakas. Uh, Wasteland, Karakas. Yeah, yeah, but Karakas
1: had a bunch of reprints lately. Yeah,
0: Karakas has been reprinted a bunch. Yeah. Wasteland's been reprinted a bunch. But, like, for the most part, it's all, like, new cards because they decided...
1: Yeah, it actually wouldn't. looks like the, most ex- the highest cost in the deck is the Aether Vials.
0: Yeah, and, like, they could print those, you know... Yeah,
1: anything they want to.
0: Yeah, so... And that's just a deck that doesn't have any reserveless cards in it. And most, most of the reserve right. list cards in decks are in their lands. Yep. So, I don't know. I think that, like, getting to play Legacy is a good thing. And I support Howard any way that we can do that. Let that be, like, mm-hmm. proxying stuff yep. or whatever. I, I know that, like, Wizards doesn't like proxies. So, oh, we can't have sanctioned events, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, though, like they've decided they're not going to make money off of reserveless cards, right? I know they can't encourage people, but on to like make fake cards, right. but like, you know, you're also not making money off of your product,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. like if they printed like Legacy Masters and they just were like Yolo reserveless cards, like how many packs could they sell all of them yeah like they couldn't as keep much a, as they could print yeah like they would be printing it like a core set and it just wouldn't exist
1: right i mean look at time spiral yeah i know that there's no like second wave or reprint or whatever on time spiral but it's not like stores were getting super limited and yeah. it's just gone and almost 400 dollars a box now whoo yeah. I I was seeing listings for like three sixty, three seventy a box. Jeez. Yeah. The sets two weeks old.
0: <laughs> yeah. It just boggles my mind like that they can't figure out how to weasel weasel out of the reserve list and yeah. like make stacks of cash, but they're making stacks of cash with it. So like right. I guess it's so not what's worth the,
1: what's the incentive?
0: Yeah. Well we can make an extra stack, but we like run the risk of losing half a stack so it's not worth it to us right it's not worth the headache yeah we'll just make the easy money instead we will make the easy money okay real quick i want to kind of finish this off in like five minutes but what is this weird secret layer subscription thing or was just this like a questionnaire like would you do a subscription
1: um so you know how wizard sends out surveys yes like, did you like this set? What are your mm-hmm. spending habits? How do you engage with magic? Whatever. There was one that was completely about secret lair and a hypothetical subscription service or membership service. Like every question in the survey was about a hypothetical subscription service or membership service.
0: Interesting. Um
1: Yeah, the like the first and I guess I, I watched a couple of videos after like I had taken mine, but I guess the survey was different based on how you answered your questions. So not everybody took the same survey. Um, But mine, like the first question was, have you bought secret layers? Obviously I'm sure that's why I got one is because I bought secret layers. And then the second question was, would you be open to a subscription service given these benefits? And it was like free shipping, Early or er, shipping a week early, a week before everybody else, automatic billing for every secret layer, access to secret layers that everybody else wouldn't have access to, and like something else. And I was like, no, that's stupid. There's plenty of secret layers that I don't want. Why would I pay you? Oh, and they gave a price. It was like $300 a year. $300?
0: For them to just automatically charge your credit card when a new secret layer was announced? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. For for the honor of letting you spend my money, I got to give you $300? Like, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you.
1: There's plenty of secret layers that I have absolutely zero interest in. There's no way I'm going to give you $300 to get put on your list to get them a week early.
0: And Um, I mean, with some of the printing, like a week early might be six months from when you order it. Right
1: so there was a couple questions about that and they wanted you to like, even if you weren't interested, they wanted you to like rank the benefits and tell them which ones you'd be more apt like, like to see in a product, I guess. Okay. And then there was one that was mem- uh, membership where it wasn't, it wasn't as expensive and you weren't locked into buying every secret layer, but you still got access to, like the special ones that weren't available to the public. I think they said four per year and uh, free shipping and something else, something else. And like, maybe that one would be worth it, but yeah. So it was a survey that they came out with. And um, I think the professor did a video on it. I think Vince did a video on it. Yeah.
0: I saw stuff about it and I was just like, what is this? Yeah. I like didn't go deep. So, okay. It wasn't something that they announced that they were doing. It was
1: no, but uh, traditionally these surveys have come true. Like there was a survey that came out that was all about product packaging and it had pictures of what ended up being excellent packs. Okay. So these surveys do have a history of being like, not necessarily surveys, but this is coming. We want to see what the reaction is going to be.
0: Gotcha. So, all right. So, so get ready for that. <laughs> get ready for a subscription service I won't partake in. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, until they like print like super duper duper fancy Merit Lage tokens or something. Yeah. Three dimensional, like all tentacles. Yeah. It's actually a mini. It's a Warhammer mini. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's the crossover, huh? <laughs> that's the cross. Is it just the Merit Lage
1: token? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we get, we get a Warhammer expansion set and
0: Warhammer gets a Merit Lage. Army, it's the Ledge Army. Yeah. They, they, but it's a card. They get a they get a card that is their the Ledge. Mini. and we get the minis. <laughs> How does this fit in your deck box? Shh. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mom doesn't care. Neither do I. Yeah, it fo- it folds flat. And then you like pick it up. It's like an accordion. Poof. All right. It's like an origami mom. <laughs> origami mom. All right, so with that, we've talked all things Legacy and Origami Mom. So yeah. I think that's an episode. I think that it is too. So if you'd like to get at us with how you think we should play Legacy in the future, you can get us at Casual Tripod. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Try Hard MTG. You can drop us an
1: email, show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. Don't forget, if you're looking to pick up any new stuff, if you want some of the Mystical Archive cards, um, if you're looking for some of the old Border Time Spiral stuff, I think most of the Keldheim stuff is super cheap right now. If you're looking to fill out your collection a little bit, please use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryheartmtg.com. Anything you purchase after navigating to TCG Player using that link, we'll get a percentage of to help keep the show going. Um, if you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual tryhard mtg patrons get all sorts of perks. I talked about them all during at the top of the show. I'm not going to go over them all again. Uh, we also have our discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on social media. If you want into discord, that's how we got today's show topic. Um, so if you have any other ideas for shows or just want to hang out and talk, hop on over there a uh, quick shout out to Dieter who posted up his brand new legacy deck blue white
0: miracles yay yay another one of those in the <laughs> world but congratulations that that is a that is an achievement with uh tundras being as expensive as expensive as they are yep congrats yes oh um we're also starting a new patreon tier where uh uh you pay us extra money so that we can then charge your card for uh <laughs> for your membership uh, more efficiently and uh, yeah. we're calling it the uh, secret patron tier so if sure. uh, so you're very, interested in that <laughs> there you go it's only $300 a year it's fine,
1: uh, fine. so you get the privilege of uh, listening to our show and
0: being a patron yeah so. there you go you get it 15 minutes before everyone else uh, yeah. <laughs> so with that we'll catch you on the internet on the internet.